From the Atonement Fargo Studios on South University Drive in Fargo, North Dakota, this is That Podcast. Hey, to contact the crew, submit your questions or comments, go to atonement.live slash podcast questions. And now, here's those crazy people with That Podcast. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to another episode of That Podcast. My name is Ryan Janke, and I am joined, as always, by Pastor DJ Lura and Sarah DeYoung. And today, we welcome Barb Hansen to the show. I invited Barb to join us because she's a parish nurse and facilitates training opportunities for others to become parish nurses, and I thought it'd be neat to talk to her about that and ask some questions people might have about parish nurses. Barb? Welcome to that podcast. Thanks for having me. Well, you're welcome. We're excited to have you. So, uh, you know, I have a question for Barb, and I don't know if I've asked this of her before. We had uh, on a previous episode, Lisa Hansen. Yes, we did. And this is Barb Hansen. Is there any relation between you and Lisa? We are not related, but my oldest daughter's name is Lisa, or was. Now it's Lisa Johnson. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> As it would be when you live in North Dakota. But when Lisa, the current Lisa Hansen, joined Atonement, everybody just thought it was the Lisa Hansen who grew up here. Sure. So then, like, all of a sudden, she was leading a parenting class when she wasn't that old. <laughs> it caused great confusion. But I, I do claim her as she could, well... I don't know if she could actually be my daughter, but many times I text my daughter, Lisa Johnson, but I grab Lisa Hansen's name because they're right was, there. They're right <laughs> there. And it, yeah. So she, Lisa does get many family text messages. From us. <laughs> well, and you know what, for, for the folks who are listening in that are not from the Midwest, any name that ends in son is a fame is a pretty common Scandinavian uh, surname. So you'll have, like in a phone book, you can look in the H section and you'll have about 15 pages of Hansons. Mm-hmm. And maybe only like a handful of them are related. Right. Or Johnson or Larson or Thompson. I mean, anything that ends with the sun is a pretty common name. So I I didn't think you two were related, but I thought it would be good to ask just, <laughs> in, just in case listeners are, are paying if attention. If you asked Lisa Hansen that, she would probably say, well, Barb thinks we are Kashyyyk. <laughs> family text messages. Yeah, very good. Yeah, very good. and as an aside on that, uh, the, the reason, unless I'm wrong about this, so check your info, but I believe it goes back to, uh, like in, in the case of Hansen, it would be Hans' son. Mm-hmm. Or John's son is that mm-hmm. is that right? Sure, why not? Yeah, that's what I've heard too. But. Yeah. Well, did you know that the um, um, uh, Peter is is Swedish? Did you know that? No. Yeah, his name is Rocky Johnson <laughs> in the Bible. Simon, son of John, or Johnson, and then Jesus gives him the nickname Rocky. So his name is actually Rocky Johnson. Rocky Johnson, yeah, the so Rock. People didn't know that Peter is actually uh, Swedish rather hmm. than uh, than uh, uh, Jewish. Not a professional wrestler, <laughs> though. Yeah. Okay. Well, and where do you think they got their name from, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Hmm. It's yeah. a lot to think about. Yeah. yeah. A lot to take in already. Hey. And, and well, move out of the way when the lightning strikes me for 
Actually, I was going to grab that sound machine. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I finally <laughs> found an appropriate use for it. I don't think that's the one she was going to well, use. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, this is one. Yep. That's, so that's fitting. Bingo. <laughs> Hey, we got some, we have a listener question this week. You ready for this? I'm just so happy we have a listener. Yeah, we got one. All right. And his name is Enoch. Oh, cool. And Enoch would like to know, why are pews Is it the Enoch? It is. Because the the Enoch is still alive, according to the biblical witness. Well, he he must be, because we got this, uh, I don't know if he's the same one. Oh, okay. Maybe someone named after the Enoch. Yeah, I think that that seems more more likely. Mm-hmm. Uh, plus, this Enoch um, is asking this question because he was uh, in a church moving moving uh, a bunch of chairs and pews around. And oh, the one, the one you're referencing. I'm not sure why he'd be moving any pews or yeah, chairs. right. He'd, yeah, I don't think he'd have to do that. <laughs> but anyway, the question is. Why are pews used in churches so often instead of chairs? Wow, what a great question. And you know what? It's it's one of those things like um, everything in church has its own special name, and they're always weird names, mm-hmm. mainly because they, they don't usually come from an English starting point. And it's the same what? thing. Yeah, most most of the names of things in church that we give names to things that you know, like we would call the podium or the stand, we call that a pulpit. Yeah. Or a lectern. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we call the robe that a, a pastor would wear, we call that a an alb. Mm-hmm. You know, these things have different terms in church, and it goes back to a pre-English church and already the structure of of ritual and. And everything in the church having meaning um, tied into what it is because it was a pre-literate worship service. So you would come to worship and everything in the worship space has a meaning. Like uh, the place where people gather before the worship is called the narthex. Mm -hmm. And once you enter the worship space, you're not entering into the sanctuary. You're entering into the nave. Right. And the nave leads to the sanctuary, okay? So you get something with a weird name like pew. Well, when I think of pew, what do you think of? Pepe Le Pew. Pe- yeah, something that smells or stinks, right? <laughs> yeah, an yeah. odor. Well, that comes more from, from an English derivative of, of the term, or maybe it, maybe it started in churches. I don't know. The, the smell started to carry. Mm. But a pew is um, a Latin term, which strangely enough means to elevate, Huh. To lift up. Okay. Like a balcony or like a seat. So the term pew basically just means a bench to sit on. And we might think, okay, well, that's really anticlimactic. Have any of you ever been to a Greek Orthodox worship service? Nope. Nope. Oh, you haven't. Okay. So um, this this helps to make sense of this a little bit. The Greek Orthodox Church can trace its way of worship back to basically the second century A.D., mm-hmm. like, you know, 200, 300 A.D. And if you ever go to a Greek Orthodox worship service, they don't have any, any seats. Hmm. Everyone stands. You stand during the entire service. Wow. So this was the norm up until probably the 14th century, but really um, um, went away 
after the Protestant Reformation, there would only be like one or two pews in the entire worship space. They would be up against the back wall. And the norm was for everyone to stand mm-hmm. or to kneel or even just to lay down or just to walk around as the service was going on. Because prior to the, the Protestant Reformation, most worship services were leaving out a really important piece that we take for granted today. Mm-hmm. Maybe we would like this to go away again. Uh, and it was the emphasis of the Word of God preached, the sermon. So after the Protestant Reformation, seating was brought into the nave space where people congregate, where people gather, that they may sit and hear the Word of God as it's being exposited, as, as the Scriptures are being preached on and you would sit and listen. Rather than standing and watching the ritual of the church service happen, the, lit- the liturgy, there would be a time to sit and to just um, contemplate and take in the Word of God. And so after the Protestant Reformation, pews or elevated seating became the norm that we take for granted to this day. Hmm. So Interesting. That's the answer. Wow. Yeah. Well, there you go, Enoch. That one was for you. So, so if Enoch would like to have a worship service that doesn't have a sermon, he needs to really push for that. <laughs> and then we can get rid of the pews because they won't have a, a functional purpose at that point. We just stand for the whole rest of the service. Oh. And that would get a really good response from the congregation. Don't you think so? <laughs> well, there was a time, too. This is something else we take for granted that when pews started to enter into churches, it was not uncommon for people to literally purchase their pew. Yeah. Mm. Oh, and great. so if you've ever heard anyone <laughs> go I to think church. That's how you get the, that's my seat. That's my seat. That's well, my... it was at one time <laughs> your seat. Uh, when I was in Pennsylvania, I got to visit the, the church of Henry Melchior Muhlenberg. Mm-hmm. He was the first like Lutheran bishop in the United States. He, he kind of organized the Lutheran church in the United States. Because prior to that, it was just a scattering of individual congregations, but not any united uh, denomination, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I got to go to his church, and in that church, you purchased your pews, and the rich people would be, the pulpit was elevated. The pulpit was like like 20 feet in the air. Okay. And you had to walk up steps to get to the top of it, because mm-hmm. they didn't have you know, speakers in 1776 um, because Muhlenberg was alive during the Revolutionary War. Um, So he would climb up into his pulpit, and there was a whole row of people that could look directly into his eyes that were in the upper balcony, Mm -hmm. all around three out of four sides of the square space of the church. Um, You would pay big bucks to have those seats. But if you walked in, if you looked down from the pulpit to the left, there was one pew that was marked right by the door, and this became General Washington's pew. Huh. Because he would come. This is this is near Valley Forge in Pennsylvania. He would come and knew uh, Pastor Muhlenberg very well and wanted to make sure that the Germans in America did not join with the Redcoats because the Redcoats had hired a bunch of Prussian mercenaries to fight against the Patriots. Hmm. And so those Prussians spoke German, and when they would get injured, they would be tended to by German churches. Hmm. Not because they were for their cause, but just because these are people who speak our same language. They're kinsmen, so right. to speak. And so um, 
Washington made a point to really um, connect with Muhlenberg and even worship at his church. Hmm. And so there's a pew there that was called Washington's Pew. And most likely it was Washington's Pew because he paid a couple of bucks to yeah. be his pew. Huh. I wonder uh, if we did that now. I mean, obviously, you'd get way more money for the chairs in the back, right? Sure. As Lutherans, then <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Those, the, the yeah. price would go down it, it as you get closer. It would be the same setup, right? <laughs> you'd have a fire sale up front, but in the back, I mean, this yeah. is prime real estate. It, it would be paying people to sit in the first three rows. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> huh. No, those are reserved for guests. Go ahead. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well... Well, we we have God bless you, Enoch, for a great yeah. a great question. Thank you for that, DJ. Yep, you bet. Uh, and so we have Barb here, and and uh, as I said, Barb is a parish nurse, right? Yes, or a faith community nurse. Faith community we use nurse. Both terminologies. Okay. Well, why don't we? Uh, would you mind uh, sharing your your faith story with us uh, sure. before we get started on on what a parish nurse is and all that stuff? Sure. Um, well, my faith story, I always kind of, I used to really hate that question because I did not have this aha moment or this mountaintop experience. Um, I grew up in a home where um, I knew we prayed. I knew, we, you know, we said table grace. We, um, I went to Sunday school. My mom was very involved in the church. She s- served in many different ministries in the church. Uh, my dad was kind of a Christmas and Easter guy. And, um, but I don't, I, but I always knew that there was a God, that Jesus was my friend. I just, I just knew that from, I don't ever remember not knowing that or not believing it. And I think it was because there was such a great community in church. Mm-hmm. And, and so that has really, made me realize how important community is. And didn't we see that when we weren't meeting together, how our community felt maybe a little bit different. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, so as you know, I grew, and when I went to college, I maybe didn't go to church all the time. I went some, but when you can be independent, you know, you make your own decisions. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then um, I met my husband, and, um, and then we decided to get married. And he and his family, I mean, the whole family went to church. And you went to church every Sunday. You, And so as we became a family, it was, we're going to church, right? And I was like, what do you mean? Do we got to go to church? <laughs> so, so, my, so God gave me my husband. And, and again, that was one of those nudges. So there had been people in my life all along. Um, my mom, the people that I grew up with in church that just always were very affirming. And I think that's the Holy Spirit, putting those people in your path. And I have always also always wanted to be a nurse. I don't remember a day that I didn't want to be a nurse. Mm-hmm. I mean, there might have been days when I was working as a nurse. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> um, and again, I think that was, I think God called me to be a nurse. Mm-hmm. And, um, and love being a nurse. Love, I love being an, a registered nurse. But then about 22, actually it was 22 years ago almost exactly, I went through the parish nurse program. And I do think that was maybe my, one of my switching point in my faith. Um, because then all of a sudden I saw how it all came together. 
and how I could serve God being a nurse. Mm. I mean, I didn't know if I was going to, you know, I didn't know that I would eventually end up working full time in a church or I just thought, well, it, it's really bringing faith and health together and how they are so integrated. And um, I think it was maybe in that healing service that we have during our week. We're going to have one at 3.30 today for the participants in the course that's going on. And um, just the power of the Holy Spirit was just so present that day. So maybe I did have an aha moment. Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) And then um, as we raised our family in this church, there was just so many people here at Atonement that influenced my faith. And again, I think that's the Holy Spirit putting those people in your path. Yeah. And I could go on and on about those people too, but yeah. So I think you know it's part of be- being part of a community that cares about you. Um, it was the church that responded when my father died when I was in college, mm-hmm. and as I saw that, I just saw how that's where we I received the care was church. Yeah, so. it's great when you can do something that you love and and do it to the glory of God. It, yeah, it's mm-hmm. wonderful. Yeah. yeah. For sure. So uh, for those who don't know, um, what is a, a faith community nurse or a parish nurse? It, you know, Great question. So now you said this was only an hour. <laughs> hey, we got all day. What did you say that thing will record up to 14, didn't yeah. you? Yeah, we got 23 hours yeah. to I go. Could so. probably talk as long, as, as, long as you are willing, we <laughs> <Yep>. will stay. <laughs> so... Um, a parish nurse or faith community nurse is a registered nurse who has taken special training, and that's what we are. What's going on this week here at Atonement, and they beca- they be receive a certificate that says that they are a faith community nurse. And during this week, they are learning um, about well, first the history and philosophy of faith community nursing, um, health, healing, and wholeness. Um, health promotion, health edu- how to do health education, how to give spiritual care, um, how to care for those that are grieving, whether it's you know grieving the loss of someone, the loss of their health, the loss of a job, all those things that we grieve in life. Um, advocacy, how to be an advocate. So kind of the roles of a faith community nurse are... Um, now I'll probably forget something that's really important, but really the, the primary one is helping people integrate their faith and their health. And then um, that health education, health promotion piece, being um, an individual health counselor and then making appropriate referrals, whether somebody needs physical care, um, mental health care, spiritual care, and then also being like a developer of support groups, um, coordinating volunteers to to do the um, be the hands and feet of Jesus too. Mm-hmm. So um, parish nursing was started in like the late mid to late seventies by it was really a vision of Granger Westberg. I don't know if you know of Granger Westberg. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was a hospital chaplain at Lutheran General in Chicago, and he really saw how we have really segregated medical care. Mm-hmm. It used to be that it was the churches that provided medical care, if we go way back. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then that's why we have hospitals that were called St. Luke's. Mm-hmm. Okay. Here in this area, St. Luke's, St. John, John's, and St. Ansgar's. 
Um, now we've we've kind of really siloed that, and it's really just about that physical piece. But Granger Westberg saw that we need to bring that back, and we need to care for that whole person, care for the body, the mind, and the spirit. And then he saw how uh, many times the faith community would provide care after somebody left the hospital, sometimes. But he saw how if a nurse was there, they would maybe know what that Fam, you know, what did they have as far as their family? What did they have as far as their faith community? What was in their community at large, too? Yeah. And so his goal was really to have a nurse in every church. Um, I don't know that we have that today, but it, we're working on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so um, it has it has grown. It ha- you know, it. And some of our faith community nurses are connected to a health system. Some are not. Okay. I was going to ask, is it something where they just specifically work for a church, or do they have them in hospitals as well? You know, and it really depends in the area. And we kind of say, you know, if you've met one faith community nurse, you've met one faith community Mm -hmm. nurse. Mm Because it really varies from community to community. Here in this area, um, we have both. Mm-hmm. We have some that are connected to Sanford. Um, right now I'm working as, as a liaison for Sanford in that I am a liaison between those that are working in the churches and the hospital. And um, But then we have some parish nurses that aren't connected to a health system at all, right in this area too. Okay. So, so it's kind of an either or. Mm. So in my, in my ministry over the last two decades, um, I've been involved with... Um, at, in a pastoral role, I think four or five churches, if I go back before. And um, in, in those different churches that I've served, I've had the honor to work closely with, with uh, a parish nurse. And then I remember when it switched to faith community nurse. Like I, I remember when that was brought forth. And it, my experience with parish nurses is that um, they are, in my opinion, in, in, the, in the context in which I was serving, the most invaluable staff person because they bridge both the the congregational life and what people are going through that they may not even be comfortable with sharing with their pastor. They mm. would share with their nurse, with the parish nurse. Right. So if there was a sound thing that was really a nice sound, I would be doing that. Yeah, let's see if I can find a nice sound. <laughs> yeah, I don't oh, here's know. a light bulb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that. Yep. <laughs> so, um, and, and I will very much attest to this with the last church that I served before coming to atonement, the most invaluable person was our parish nurse, our faith community nurse. Um, what worried me about what she did is because she was so caring for the congregation is the difficulty of protecting her own boundaries. Mm. And that's something that I was wondering about with the training going on because nurses are who they are it's very easy for them to just call me anytime you need me. And people are calling at 12, 1, 2 in the morning, um, and, and not even calling their pastors, but calling the parish nurse. Mm-hmm. Not that they should be calling the pastors unless it's an emergency <laughs> as well, but you know, is, is that something that you talk about in the we training? Do, and we do talk about self-care. And, um, and you know, nurses... Like pastors, I will. I'm going to include pastors in that too. 
because we are just so passionate. I mean, anybody that works in the church, we're usually very passionate about the work we do. Well, and you usually and you're engaging with people in a, uh, in very intimate mm-hmm. concerns with their own health and lifestyle, as well as those times in life like like end of life care. Yeah. So yeah. So we do talk a fair amount about self care. Um, I teach the portion on health promotion, and we talk about how can we promote. Um, health and wholeness in those that we serve but then we talk about how we can promote it in ourselves too mm-hmm. so Good. we do you know you got to put that oxygen mask on yourself first absolutely yeah for you so that you can otherwise you're not going to make it yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. but yeah no I, I can't speak highly enough for parish nurse ministry and what is what what individuals call to that because it is a very it's a very specific ministry, mm-hmm. but I think in our day and age it has a way of, for the reasons that you said, we've so um, set aside our health needs that we think they're separate from our spiritual needs, mm-hmm. and also our support system in our church as compared to the support system from health insurance and family and you know all those things those institutions. And the parish nurse really does bridge, the, the faith community nurse really does bridge both of those things that are very important to our daily life, especially as we, as we, um, as we age or, or, or for those of us who suffer from some type of chronic condition. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I have found that the faith community nurse is able to connect in ways and make bridges for those people for communication with their church as well as for uh, their pastors and also to encourage healthy living in a way that a pastor w- does not have the ex- the credentials to do, if that makes sense. Like mm-hmm. a parish nurse saying, "You really should eat, you know, your 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 all your vegetables," <laughs> comes across <laughs> a lot better than a pastor saying that from the pulpit. Right. You um, probably say it from the pulpit. You probably yeah, say it from the pulpit probably too. Need to hear do, it a couple different ways. <laughs> DJ, do that, and then and then let's see what the response exactly. is. Exactly. Were you in there today? Pastor Lura told us to eat vegetables. What's going on? Right? I would say the authority only comes because a parish nurse named Barb Hansen told me <laughs> to say that. Barb was here this week. So. Uh, as DJ mentioned, uh, there is training going on, and you mentioned it too, there's training going on here this week. Um, and I know some of the people who are here, um, and some are nurses, and I know at least one who is not. So uh, are there requirements for, or at least I, I don't think she is. Maybe she is. but She is. Okay. You yes. know you know the one I'm talking yeah. about. Okay. <laughs> she does not work in like a, a, an acute care setting. Okay. but she does work as a registered nurse. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, I, the so the question I had and maybe maybe it's still relevant is what are the requirements for being a parish nurse? Do you have to be a nurse for a certain amount of time? Do you There's no time requirement in that, but you do have to hold a current um, license in the state that you will be practicing in and you need to be a registered nurse. Okay. So it is an RN license, not like an LPN or a right. CNA. Right. Yeah. Okay. Because man, the big reason for that is many times you're working independently, mm-hmm. and so that's why you need to be a registered nurse. Okay, I gotcha. Um, I know from my wife being in long-term care mm-hmm. that there is uh, quite a nurse shortage generally, at least yeah. around here. 
uh, both in uh, long-term care and in hospital settings. And to the point that uh, hospitals will uh, and long-term care facilities will contract people from around the country. Mm-hmm. Are you seeing that same trend with, with faith community nurses? Um, that's a great question. And I don't know that there's any really formal study in that, so I can't really, you know, quote any statistics. Um, you know, there probably is a little, we have seen a downturn in that probably is because of that nursing shortage. Um, but, um, boy, that's a great question. And I, but I, I know, I don't really think it's like the nurse the number of nurses that we are missing in acute care, it but it has decreased some, mm-hmm. probably. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, and people just aren't going in, into nursing as much, too, as hopefully, you know, we kind of see cycles in that, too. So. Right. Okay. Um, how about COVID? Is, <laughs> what has COVID done? We always bring that up, don't yeah. we? But um, it's... You know, it is really interesting because, and as we know, we've really had to address that in the church. And so for nurses, or for nurses, for churches that have nurses that are currently working in that area, they've really been instrumental in helping, you know, decide on policies and, you know, can we do this? Can we not do this? When, you know, how are we going to visit our people? How are we going to care for our people in light of this? So there's been some really... um, innovative ways that I've heard about that people are doing, you know, from phone calling to doing Zoom calls with people, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then and then taking the precautions, too, that you do need to, to go visit. Because sometimes people just do need that human contact. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's it has changed the world. But I think it's also really opened up some other doors for us, too. Even, like, with this class, it has um, – we had to really think how we – we're going to do that because we were going to offer it in April and then, you know, beginning of March, we thought, uh, <laughs> we don't think this is going to be done by April. <laughs> so we just, you know, we postponed it. And then we thought, well, we could probably do it early June because it will be done with by then. I mean, we all mm-hmm. thought it was going to be done mm-hmm. by then mm-hmm. again. And now we're, and now we said, you know what, we, we need to make this happen even in light of COVID. And so actually I want to, I'll take a chance to thank Atonement for really stepping up, and they have made it the perfect place to hold the course too. So, um, so yeah. Well, it's our it's our honor, and the thing about it too is, I think that you are all very smart to to take a a hurry up and wait until until this time. It's been a couple of months, but it just. And I might get in trouble because we might be in this for the next two years or something. <laughs> yeah. I just I feel that that we are over the needing to to flatten the curve on COVID and to begin actively finding ways to be together, even if we have to continue wearing masks. Just wear the masks and yep. love on your neighbor that way. But the training is so important to to move forward. We can't just stop. Right. Uh, exactly. But I think it was very smart to wait to hurry up and wait and then be like, okay. I think the first wave of, because the big issue with COVID is not so much the de- the the deadliness of it, and it is it is deadly. People die of mm-hmm. COVID, but that it didn't overwhelm the system mm-hmm. because this is a marathon, not a sprint. Right. 
flattening the curve. Flattening the yeah. curve. And so we will be doing life like this probably for a while. Yep. Right. And again, we didn't think that. We just, you know, but we are. And so how can we do that? So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so I think I think our faith community nurses are gonna be really instrumental in helping churches do church the way that they can and do it safely. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that for sure. Prior to COVID, how often had you been doing these training? Is it yearly, twice a year? Um, it really varies. We kind of really do it on what is the demand mm. and and what, you know, do schedules permit and such. Um, usually we have always op- offered one yearly at Concordia. And this the one that we are doing um, to this week is through Concordia and Concordia's Parish Nurse Ministry. Um, I also, I said earlier, I was employed by Sanford, and Sanford also offers it. In a little different format, we offer it starting with a retreat and then doing classes via Zoom. So, mm-hmm. And we do that yearly. Um, we are going to wait now because we just weren't sure, because we always do it in the fall, and we just weren't quite sure what the fall was going to bring and if um, what if you know people would want to be on Zoom when they're on Zoom so much already. Right. So we are, we're waiting and kind of evaluating when the next one will be. So... Um, to answer your question, they are you usually can find a class um, somewhere, uh, <laughs> and right. it's offered across the nation too. Okay, at either like universities or health systems. Okay, so yeah. somebody could just wherever they are, just Google. Yeah, just Google. Okay. Yeah, we are all um, parish nursing now is housed under the Church Health Center, which is in um, Memphis, Tennessee. And they really have a neat concept of health and how it is really holistic. And it's Dr. Scott Morris. And he, you know, just to kind of give an example of that, that, okay, if you say you get diagnosed with high blood pressure, well, you're not just going to get a prescription. You're going to get really kind of a prescription for your whole lifestyle Mm. where, okay, then you'll be given um, a gym membership at this church health center. There'll be classes on proper nutrition. And then there will be classes on spiritual health, too. Mm -hmm. And there's babysitting so that you can do the stuff that you need to do to help control your blood pressure. So it's really a holistic approach. Well, now um, the Parish Nurse Center, the International Parish Nurse Center, is housed under the Church Health Center in Memphis, Tennessee. Okay. So people can Google that, and they can actually. There's lots of resources on that website too for looking at whole person health. Okay. So earlier you said that you do have to be a registered nurse. Yes. Do they offer any type of kind of training for like people who are CNAs or LPNs, DSP, that type of? Yes. Um, In the courses that I'm involved in teaching, we have not done that yet. But in other um, courses across the nation you can become a health minister. And it's mm. it's pretty much the same training, but because you are not a registered nurse, you cannot call yourself a parish nurse mm. or a faith community nurse. Okay. But yeah, that's a great question. Cool. What else you got? Well, I was just thinking about it because I also work as a direct support professional for oh. adults oh, with yeah. special right. needs. And I always feel like, I want to learn more about like bringing into their faith because I have a lot of my clients who they go to church and stuff like that. And whenever I try to like 
get them involved in other activities. It's always just like, well, yeah, sir, it's because you work at a church. You just want more <laughs> bodies at your event or whatever. And I'm like, well, no, because <laughs> I want them involved in stuff. <laughs> well, and I really appreciate that too because um, that is part of all of us. That our spiritual health mm-hmm. is such an important part of us. So thanks for doing that. So this is um, more of a uh, uh, Barb Hansen, the Christian question, than than the uh, faith community nurse Barb Hansen. But for those who are not RNs, um, people in congregations that are seeking ways to get a little bit more training to to care for their neighbors, to support their neighbors, to connect with their neighbors. Um, I, I have experience with a couple ministries like Stevens Ministry mm-hmm. and Befrienders Ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, just wondering what your thoughts are on those, if you have any experience with those those ministries. Well, um, so we have Befriender Ministry here at Atonement, and um, probably, I think it's been about 10 years now, we really saw um, the need to extend the care of the church, and how could we do that? And to help people use that spiritual gift that they may have of caring for others, having, you know, being that good listener. Mm-hmm. So um, we started a befriender ministry here at Atonement. And, um, you know, Jesus calls us to care for uh, our, our fellow person, our fellow man, woman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And... <laughs> And love God, love people. I, yeah, I've heard that yeah, somewhere. there we go. <laughs> I should have been able to just snap that off. But anyway, <laughs> you have a lot of hats. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, so what'd you ask me about that? So, what's my experience? Well, yeah, with like that? what? Uh, so, yeah. So we um, we have just seen incredible things happen when we do a match with somebody to where they will walk alongside somebody, no matter what they might be experiencing. And we have really, I think, brought the church to some people when mm-hmm. maybe they haven't been able to attend church, whether it's because of a physical illness or just maybe even having a fear of coming to church, mm-hmm. too, because of something they're going through. And many times people have ended up feeling like they can come back to church, too, because of that. Um, and so we... Um, we train people in that too, and it is about a 16-hour training where people learn to be a good listener. The four foundational principles of Befriender Ministry are God is present in all situations, mm-hmm. um, active listening, caring, not curing, mm-hmm. <laughs> and being that non-judgmental presence. And so um, we... In fact, we are looking for people who want to go through the training this fall. So if anybody feels called to be part of that ministry. And we usually um, try to match people with people that are going through kind of similar, have gone through similar circumstances in their life. Sometimes people have gone through something and they maybe don't want to walk alongside somebody, but they want to serve, you know, somebody else. So we just, we really try to make good matches. And usually the matches... Um, usually somebody walks alongside somebody for maybe six months. We've got some that have gone on a lot longer. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. I really like the the phrasing of one of the principles of the, the care, not cure principle. Because mm-hmm. I know, um, especially in, in a church space where, you know, we, we do uplift that we're to love God and love people. But how do we love people? 
And it can hurt us to walk and suffer with someone for a short time and not be able to fix them. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would imagine as parish nurses, this can be a great frustration as well. (laughs) Well, and actually we talk a fair amount about that in the Faith Community Nurse Course because um, as nurses, we are fix-it people. Mm -hmm. We we like to see an end result. Mm -hmm. But... um, as a faith community nurse, and I didn't really mention this, but we don't do that any medically prescribed um, care. Like right. we don't do dressing changes. We don't give injections. We can do that because we're trained in that. But in the church, we don't do that. We um, we used to say hands off, you know, care. But we do end. You know, we will take a blood pressure. We do assessment, and so. Sometimes the the few times that I've seen someone need um, more care in church while worship is happening, it's it's been the nurses that are yeah yeah so on the spot. So, but um, but we need to, we really talk a lot about that too. That caring, not curing, mm-hmm. and and being that presence for somebody that will show God's love and God's healing grace. Well, I think everyone should go through these trainings. If if you're not a nurse, if you're not a nurse and able to go through, you know, well, faith community church uh, nurse training, go through befriender training. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, and you know that reminds me of another question, um, because you mentioned befrienders, and uh, if I remember right, you sort of started wonderful you here at mm-hmm. Atonement. Yep. Uh, are there is there commun- uh, community community uh, continuing education or uh, like conferences that that uh, faith community nurses can go to and get ideas <laughs> from, or you know what I mean? Yeah, there is. Um, we actually have a network. Uh, we have a network here in Fargo of um, faith community nurses, and we meet. Um, we try to meet monthly, but it doesn't always happen. Mm-hmm. And then we usually try to do some type of continuing education big event every periodically. I want to say every year, but again, that doesn't always happen. Um, and then our Westberg um, Institute, that's part of Church Health Center, they do a yearly conference. But um, Sanford usually does a healing ministry conference every year too. So there's lots of opportunities to um, learn how to give that whole person care. Mm-hmm. But we do a lot of networking with each other, and faith community nurses really are not territorial at all. We share mm-hmm. a lot. <laughs> yeah, right. All in this together. Yeah. <laughs> well, and no one else understands what they go through except probably other faith community nurses, right? Yeah. It's, it is it is unique like that. It's a very specialized I will calling. say, you know, when I was part of this staff, I mean, this staff, we supported each other. Yep. So, you know. That, yeah. Yeah. So got a good staff here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, since you're here, uh, Sarah's been talking for uh, about a week now. She's got a rash on her foot. Yeah, how many of those have you gotten as a parish nurse? Like, hey, I have you know, this thing. Can you look at it? You know, I kind of, we did a joke about that. Did you hear about that? Is that why you no, asked me about no. that? No, um, <laughs> We did kind of have a Christmas song, and I said, oh, you know, come and ask me about a rash. <laughs> and that is the one. People do like, I don't know, rashes, but, you know. Your rashes for lots of reasons. 
Was your was your kind of go to answer for all those? Is you really should get that checked out, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> regardless of what it is. Like to be a mosquito bite, you really should get that checked yeah. out. This Just one's above my pay grade. Yeah, right. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> go go see a doctor. I really think that. Some of those people told you to ask me that. No, no, Anna, no idea. That's it. Just worked out. <laughs> That's funny. Um, Sarah, DJ, do you have any more questions? No. We're we're uh, approaching the the three o'clock. Just like yeah. I said, really glad that Barb could come join mm-hmm. us. And well, thank yeah, you. I am too. Um, I just it's a great opportunity to talk about it, and and I think for people to really know too that. Um, how their faith and their health is so connected. Mm-hmm. And that um, we have a, I'm just going to talk real quick about the visual that we have in the room. We have a bicycle wheel. And I don't know if you saw it in there, but, um, and, you know, the importance of keeping those spokes true and aligned and the keeping your bicycle wheel inflated well. Mm-hmm. So if you think about those spokes being all the different aspects of our health, whether it be financial health, our physical health, our mental health, um, vocational health, relational health. And if one of those spokes gets out of whack, what does our wheel do? It kind of wobbles and it doesn't mm-hmm. go. Mm-hmm. Um, but then our spiritual health being that tire that is inflated. And if that's inflated, you know, your wheel can kind of go even if your spokes get, you know. But sometimes when we're suffering, our spiritual health can get yeah. damaged and it can get flat. But how do we keep it inflated? You know, we spend time in God's word, we, we pray, we come to worship, we're part of a faith community, and then keeping Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior right at that center mm-hmm. is so important, and how, if that's right at the center, a lot of those aspects of our health will, I'm not saying they don't get broken or askew, but keeping that at the center is great. Yeah. I, I, I am going to remember that analogy forever, because um, in my background, uh, studying sociology and social psychology in mm-hmm. college, this was an area that I was really interested in. So all the research parts for my degree, this is what I would look at. Like, what is the relationship between faith and health? And I had learned, like, the wellness wheel. Yeah. And one of the spokes is spiritual. But I love how you how you mention it as as the tire itself because every study I saw showed that uh, there was a, a very clear correlation between wellness of um, the overall wellness of a person and their spiritual faith, like a committed faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I always found so interesting is that having a committed faith didn't automatically fix all the other spokes. It's not like um, my belief in Jesus made me financially well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that my faith in Jesus, even when those spokes were out of skew, I was... Uh, found to be of of better overall wellness than someone who did not have a faith. Like mm. study after study after study shows this correlation. Yeah. And the way you just put it is probably the best analogy I've ever heard to explain that. So yeah. thank you for that. That's Well, I love to bring my bicycle wheel yeah. on. <laughs> <laughs> well, Barb, thank you so oh, much for coming you. in. Have uh, a good day. Yeah, you too. DJ, would you mind praying us out I, here? I'd be honored. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for um, for Barb and for um, Parish Nurse Ministry, Faith Community Nurse uh, Ministry, um, and I ask Lord that you would you would uh, uh, 
bless and strengthen the call of all of those nurses out there that are called to love and serve people, um, that you would uh, let them know how much you love them and have a purpose for them in taking care of their neighbors. And uh, again, thank you for Barb and for coming in. And and um, I pray, Lord, that we would go happy and healthy into uh, the next adventure you're calling us to. All this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, everybody. Thank you for joining us today. You know where to find us. Uh, if if you don't, check it out. Uh, for Pastor DJ Lura, Sarah DeYoung, and Barb if Hansen. you don't check it out, yeah. Yeah. check it out. yourself. Yeah. Get on the Google machine. Yeah. Type in. Exactly. Have a good week, everybody. Oh.